Welcome to my basement, everybody. Happy Friday. It is always fun to do a podcast, a live podcast on Friday, because it gives us a chance to exhale, particularly after the many hours of superhero movies and television shows that many of us have uh, uh, (laughs) consumed over the last uh, several hours. I've brought in the perfect guest today to join us in Vic's basement. Rob Keyes is the executive director and the editorial director at Screen Rant. He has been writing about movies and interviewing celebrities and directors and writers about the film industry, but also covers games and all kinds of other really fun stuff. But the cool thing about Rob and why I wanted to have this spoilery chat with him is that he was actually on set with Screen Rant at, uh, when Justice League was filming, and that's going to be a very fun conversation. First of all, my friend, how are you? How are you doing, Rob? Thank you. I'm happy it's Friday, but I'm happier to be here with you, Mr. Lucas. You are somehow never aging. You are <laughs> as you were in the late 90s covering N64. <laughs> uh, no, but this is awesome. I, I love Vic's basement. And I'm happy to be, be back. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have you back. Um, it has been busy for us um, basement content creators over this last year, right? No kidding. It's been a wild. <laughs> Even with all the video game delays, it, there's been no uh, delay in other content to cover, right? Especially yeah. streaming shows and now yeah. streaming movies like this one. So, yeah. Streaming it's is, it's it, it's also proving itself, right? Like, I think it was kind of a risk idea to kind of go up and sort of challenge Netflix. And then The Mandalorian comes out. It's amazing. WandaVision comes out. It's amazing. Amazon's been doing some really cool stuff. Like, everybody's jumping in. And now this MCU thing where you're seeing TV shows that cost as much as mo- and look like movies. Totally. It's crazy. And, and not just that. If you go back like even five years ago, there was a lot of controversy in Hollywood about J.J. Abrams and a few other directors saying we have to bring the theatrical experience home and we charge a premium, $50, yes. whatever it is. And they're like, yes. no, it's crazy. It's never going to happen. And now like Disney Plus is doing that with Ray and The Last Dragon Milan and every network's doing that, even Justice League, right? Isn't it not a premium offering on Crave to, to get it? Or Wonder Woman uh, was, No, anyways. you just have to you just have to be subscribed to Crave. Oh, and, that's good. Um, um, I don't know how we are, but we are. I, we still have a cable deal in our house. So, uh, and it's good because, for you, Vic. So. Well, it, I, I had it for a long time because I was from television. I wanted to support television. Oh, that's fair. And and then um, I, that started to make less and less sense. <laughs> the more years of YouTube, I started to put under myself. Now uh, you but, get it. <laughs> but then uh, they they did a sweet deal with. Um, you know, as they, as they all do with the bundling of everything. They bundle it all right? together. Sure. Yeah. So we just kept some channels and Crave was one of them. So I watched uh, Justice League and I can't wait to talk about it. But first, there's a couple things that we have to do. First of all, we have to um, thank our sponsor. Hold on. I got to find my video. Where is it? Where's... Oh, there it is. But first, we have to thank our sponsor, the Gaming Stadium. They are Canada's leader in esports tournament facilitation. They put on tournaments every single weekend. They've been blown up with Star Wars Squadrons, as a matter of fact. Make sure you check them out at tgs.gg and thank them for supporting Vic's Basement. Those guys are amazing. All right, and the second thing that we have to do is we have to say hello to all of our people here. Rudy Garcia is in the house. Robert Tolan, yo, hi there, hi there. <laughs> Nintendo Boy 17, Graham Coombe, hi everyone, good to see you all. He says Alpha Cat is here, and uh, Ethan Jory says Goku is in the house. So Ethan Jory is. I, this is what I love about the chat is that they're so nice to each other. They're always uh, connecting and and uh, befriending each other, which is really lovely to see. Goku is here, of course, and uh, we also have um, Rudy Garcia. Now, I I have a feeling that today might not be as 
populated because I don't think everybody has seen the Justice League movie. It just came out yesterday, right? And it's right. it's a commitment <laughs> to to watch the whole thing. Did you watch it all in one sitting? Uh, no, unfortunately, <laughs> I could not. Uh, <laughs> It's it's funny you say that though because you remember there was a little period of time there when they said it was going to be released almost episodically and yes, in the film yeah. of course if you don't know it's it's divided up into six chapters with like a bit of an epilogue at the end uh, I almost watched it that way yeah. um, I watched like half of it and then a chunk of it and a chunk of it and then I rewatched bits of it too because I had to as you can imagine when you're, when you're just dissecting a, a a feature such as this there's a lot to dig through uh, yeah. and we have a lot of content creators working on this so yeah I rewatched parts of it as well like specific scenes but uh, not in one sitting no way yeah I mean I I watched it first thing when I woke up yesterday and went live with the show later on after oh, I nice. had watched it but it was like I sat down to eat my cereal, starting to watch the movie. Hope you had a lot of cereal. I ate some cereal. It was very nice. Drank my tea. And then a few hours later, I went and made myself a sandwich, came down and had lunch. The movie's still going. Still going, this movie. Had a shower, still going. Yeah. yeah. So I felt like I lived with Batman, Superman, uh, you know, Cyborg, The Flash, and Wonder Woman for a it's, bunch it's of times. It's almost a that's almost a metaphor for the development of this film, though. When you think about it, right? Which, well, you let's know. let's talk about this development of this movie, okay? Sure. Because obviously, and I read some of your work and and some of the other interviews that were done uh, on set at the time, and there was a bit of. Um, a course correction that Zack Snyder and Deborah Snyder were trying to kind of project out into the world that they heard the feedback about Batman versus Superman and they were trying to change things up a little bit with Justice League. Talk to me about what it was like to visit the set of Justice League. This is such a wild experience. Uh, one, it's so long ago, I almost forget all the details. But yes. yeah, this was fall 2016, believe it or not. We're coming yeah. up in four and a half years, Nuts. which is blowing my mind. Um but yeah, it was fall 2016 and, and Zach's publicist had reached out to me, which is very unusual because on a big studio film, the studio PR runs point on anything like this. So the fact right, right. that we have the personal from the director is not normal. Sometimes you get that in an indie film of your friends with someone, but this was different. This was Zach's publicist reaching out, calling me directly saying, hey, we're going to bring four or five or six people who were kind of lukewarm BVS. We, we want to show you what we're doing differently this time. And it's, it's it has to happen this Friday. And I'm like, can I send someone else? Cause like I was going to LA to do my meetings where you had another office opening there and I was just not available. They said, Nope, uh, it has to be you. Um, and it has to happen Friday. So I'm like, okay. So I did my, went to LA, did a bit of my trip, flew from LA to London and then came back to LA to finish my meeting. Wow. And then the other weird part about this, there's many weird parts about this. The other weird part about this is that the embargo was going to be like after that weekend, essentially mm. we do the set visit and two days later is the embargo, which again, unheard That's of this film wasn't aggressive. scheduled to come out for a year right usually you hang on to this until they gear up the marketing campaign mm. but there was a reason for this and i mean i don't know how much you want to get into the <laughs> i want to get into the weeds because, the and i can predict the reason is this the 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 struggles that zach was having with warner brothers were happening then and they wanted to present that the fans were interested in this new direction that Zach was going, that they were, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I got when I read that they, stuff. They handpicked, in our vertical of online websites, which cover movies like this, like more than most, they had handpicked people who were lukewarm BBS to, to do exactly what you're saying. They wanted to show us, hey, we heard your feedback, we're doing something differently and here's our plan. Yeah. But the other part of it, 
as we learned many years later and all throughout this whole development is that they were sort of, they, they knew they were on their ropes. Right? There was a lot of fighting going on behind the scenes, which you learned over the years. And I guess, especially recently, because Zach and Deb are very open about the situation. Um, but as you, as so to back up a little bit, so, so again, Zach's personal publicist is bringing us there. Now here's what happened. There was supposed to be five or six of us, a very private thing. The day that's supposed to happen the day before Warner brothers international, learns that this is happening and they're like oh you're doing a set visit well we have to get our key international influencers involved so they start bringing in press from different areas of europe from even iceland and mexico all these people so now they added like 10 12 people to what was supposed to be a five person set visit and now it's yeah. not zach's publicist and the unit publicist now it's yeah. warner brothers international plus 10 plus five that's this big big group well guess what Warner Brothers domestic, our Warner Brothers learns that Warner Brothers International is doing a set visit. Like, whoa, whoa, are you doing press? And they hijacked it. Now they're organizing it with, with it. So they invited even more websites. So what was supposed to be a private affair, this very personal thing, five people, is now like 18, 20, 22 people and seven publicists. And what wow. was supposed to be like just going around set became an army of us having to sit down and wait and go from thing to thing. And you could that was very emblematic of the larger uh problems at work where warner Brothers was was trying to get in there and hijack things and interfere and we learned later as well he also warner Brothers had people producers on set kind of keeping an eye on zach making sure he's doing his own thing and, and the narrative was already starting to change we were there talking to zach and deborah and deborah was emotional tearing up on set explaining what was going on like what, what they were trying to do differently and how it was kind of admitting that people didn't want a deconstruction of the superheroes at this point in time yeah for this franchise they wanted to see Superman who flies in blue skies with a blue costume, not like faded out colors. Yeah, That's yeah. a weird example, but it does speak to it. And then yeah. Zach, same thing. At the time they had announced a slate of films on an investor's call, mind you, including a cyborg film in 2020. That never happened. Green Lantern Corps, Flash movie years ago. We're, we're already past this whole timeline, but also Justice League 1 and 2. So we asked Zach about that and he's like, hey, we asked him, are you still doing, are you, are you shooting two at the same time? Or are you planning to do two after? And he's like, well, I'm not really sure, you know, if it happens oh, maybe. And it's like, what, what do you mean if it happens? Are you not planning this right now? And it's so strange. And Chuck Rovin, the other producer, also made it sound like if they don't get this right, they're all going to get fired. And yeah. wouldn't you know, that's kind of how it played out a little bit. So it's very strange. They, you know, clearly after watching, and this was my take on it, like I said it yesterday, um, there's vindication in this thing getting made because, you know, obviously Zach and, and Deborah and all the creatives involved poured their life into it and their their passion into it. Whether it was good or not is this totally subjective thing, but they really cared and were trying to make it happen. That's it. So there's vindication there. But how are you ever able to make anything creative when you've got the ground being ripped apart underneath your feet, like what was happening with them? But then also, I have to say that you know, Joss Whedon may have been a total dick to people, you know, before and after around this movie, but it couldn't have been easy for him to be in, thrust into the middle of all that either. No, no, it, that's a weird thing. People forget that part of it. It's like Whedon was a fixer they brought in and his name was not included anywhere for a reason. They brought yeah. him in and forced him to get X amount of footage done under a certain time and a budget without moving the release date. Yeah. Uh, so that was far more Warner Brothers and their producers and a sketchy ex-CEO who was let go for doing some very controversial stuff. Yeah. They were trying to keep their bonuses before a major acquisition with AT&T. So there's a whole bunch of layers of controversy there as well. That That's a whole different story. But It's such uh, a mess, man. How how did it become such a mess with Warner Brothers and DC? Why didn't they... They, they clearly wanted the Marvel adoration and a little bit of that business win 
But why didn't yeah. they model their whole business division around they, DC like that? There are so many moving parts of it. Part of it is a lack of direction, obviously, yeah. and everyone will say they don't have a Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige being the Marvel Studios head honcho, the, the, yeah. the, the one person who oversees the entire direction of the MCU, including now Disney+. Plus. So that you have a singular vision, a singular plan, which you can plan out and execute over 15 years. And if you make a mistake, you can fix it later in other chapters. And it's great. Yeah. They can keep doing that. With this... You have producers who are flying in and out, a, a, a rotating list of bosses at the studio, other financial incentives screwing up everything else. But but also, that problem still exists because I think they kind of wanted to do this back in the, with the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Yep. And Nolan is the guy who brought in Zack Snyder to make the Superman movie. But instead of building a universe there, they just said, no, pretend that Christian Bale stuff never happened. It's its own universe. We're going to start again. It's not going to be connected. So they kind of derailed themselves from the beginning. Yep. They had a billion-dollar franchise with Christian Bale. And they said yep. – we're going to leave that alone and start again. What? Why? You, yeah. you had it. You had it right there. You know and, what I mean? and you had a, an ending with Christian Bale, that a natural thing. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt kind of ready to pick up the mantle if they wanted to carry on with that direction and be the new back. I mean, it, yeah, that's, blunder that, after blunder after blunder. That's part of it. And e but even now, it's it's never going to fix itself. And you'll hear the term multiverse is like the, the retcon fix for every sort of problem. None of these movies connect. And we'll talk about that with this movie especially. Yeah. But – even right now, if you look at what HBO Max is doing with their DC properties and what Warner Bros. Pictures is doing, it's not one production company. There are different production companies vying for different things. We have Berlanti, who comes from TV, doing stuff. We have J.J. Abrams and his bad robot company working with HBO Max to make Green Lantern Corps and, and his other films. And, and now we're talking about making Zatanna film. Then you have The Rock and his Seven Bucks productions making Shazam and Black Adam as a separate universe. Yeah. You had Snyder doing his own universe, and none of them connect. And James Wan's company is doing uh, the Aquaman and the Trench spinoff. It's like, why are five or six different sets of producers or production companies working independently within the same universe? I mean, that's very analogous to the way that Marvel just divvied up the rights to all their characters with Fox and Sony and all the other players out there. For different reasons, yeah. In the yes. 90s, they were bankrupt and just trying to – that was uh, Avi Arad, Mr. Toyman, businessman, was just selling rights left, right, and center. But it was smart, though. That was a different strategy. He was selling rights across the board because he knew long term if all these different companies made movies and this genre blew up, they would not cannibalize each other. Had he yeah. sold all the rights to one company, let's say Fox, yeah. Fox can only make two superhero movies a year. They're just going to make X-Men Fantastic Four forever. We would never get the Hulk movie with Ang Lee's Hulk movie. We would never get the Spider-Man movies of Sony. We would never get, you know what I mean? We never yeah. get the Blade movies or, or the Iron Fist they tried to make at Artisan years ago. But yeah. Uh, that was a different reason. But now, of course, it's the opposite. Marvel Studios wants so much content. Disney put it all back under one umbrella. Uh, and now we're getting potentially four movies and four TV shows this year, which is insane. And it, it, it is easy to be on the outside and say, well, why don't they just do it that way? But what Kevin Feige and his, that's never been done before ever in any medium, anything, any creative. And nobody's ever batted a billion dollars every time they've walked up to the nope. plate like that. Nobody's been able to do that ever and keep all of these people so happy you know, all these fans so happy all around. That's impossible. I mean, Star Wars never did that. Bond hasn't done that. Harry Potter hasn't done that. Nobody has done that. They tried with Star Wars, and they, they kind of misfired yeah. that very quickly. Uh, yeah. They wanted the, the, the mandate there with Kathleen Kennedy and, and Lucasfilm. was like, let's do that. We'll do one movie, then two movies, and we'll get to three years sort of thing, and then we'll do TV shows. And uh, they're sort of course correcting now because now they have, again, Disney Plus, the savior of all things. It's yeah. It's – they can do endless Star Wars shows. And we saw that at the investors call in December. They announced 10, just 11 Star Wars shows in the works it's, right it's now. It's amazing. As long as wild. they keep the uh, the quality bar and improve, I mean, because these are like the starting salvos with uh, Mandalorian it. and with WandaVision. If that, if that is, 
and I'm I'm really digging uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier so far. I've only seen the yep. one episode, but it feels great. Uh, yeah. But if they can kind of keep that as the beginning and grow, and so that we are getting kind of movie quality experiences, they're going to be doing great, you know. And then everybody sure. else, I mean, it's it's just shifting the. Uh, uh, the content war into the streaming space. Everybody's going to have to lift up, right? Like we're not going to be able to get any more uh, straight to DVD type movies on Netflix and after the, this, right? This is sort of derailing the conversation a bit of it, but part of the reason of many why Warner Brothers was trying to fast track to get to where Marvel was is that Marvel had broken into the zeitgeist and with the real money, as anyone knows, especially yeah. with Star Wars, licensing. is the licensing of merchandise, yeah. right? And if you look, pay attention, there's a reason WandaVision is weekly and this show is weekly. Every, and Mandalorian even more so. They had Mando Mondays. Every Monday, Hasbro and every toy company, Funko Pops, had a whole new set of all the toys and shirts ready with all the new costumes and characters revealed every single episode. Yeah. So my There's fear- There's nothing cynical about that. We all want Grogu. We all want him. Oh, <laughs> I hope they balance it to the point where like they're not just changing costumes, introducing characters I know, weekly, I know. Yeah. just so we get that. Oh, we need that toy for that week. Therefore, this character has to show up here. It's like, oh no. But oh, <laughs> uh, dude, I'm li- I, and I'm sure you are too. We're we're the living example of having too much of that for too long. I, I yes, boxes yeah. of stuff all <laughs> over the floor over here. It's bad. It's bad. We we have to all be choosier with what what they put the licenses on and what we spend our <laughs> our money on you know, the, the properties that we get out there. Yeah. Okay. Um, we, we can go in a million different directions here and all of this stuff is incredibly fascinating, but the peoples have joined us for us to spoil the crap out of justice league Snyder cut. First of all, Rob, mm-hmm. why, what is the Snyder cut and why is it an important, uh, development and statement from Warner brothers and HBO max? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. So it, it's, it's, for Zack Snyder, it's a bit of a redemption arc. Yeah, it's a poor choice of words. But for anyone who knows, Zack was sort of pushed out of the system. He suffered a, a very personal tragedy uh, yep. five months into shooting this thing. And that combined with him already kind of being on the outs with Warner Brothers Pictures and like all the stuff he talked about, people overseeing him. He was in this ongoing battle with them. And it, it, this personal tragedy ha- had to make him make a decision. Do I spend time with my family? Or do I keep trying to fight this fight that I'm losing my interest in? And he he pulled out. And as we know, we got the the, the Justice League, the Just Justice League by Joss Whedon and Warner Brothers Pictures, which was a bit of a mess. It was a disaster. They it lost more money than it earned, and it was not exactly a licensing hit. Um, and it kind of derailed the whole franchise. Uh, that was already starting to derail as it was um, without without having a plan, like we talked about. So after sort of in, in a very aggressive fan movement. Uh, and a rapid change in the industry, partly due to the pandemic and, and the rushed nature of all these new streaming services. Both HBO Max and Disney Plus, by the way, both were fast tracked and launched without all their basic features. <laughs> they just had to get something out there because um, they knew how important it was. And it was a you know for Disney Plus, it was a home run. They have 100 million subscribers already. Can you imagine? Yeah, I know. They are four years ahead of schedule. Well, who who like honestly like, like which of your friends would you not? would you tell don't get disney especially now they have the star stuff so you've got all of the uh just awesome ad yeah it, it's amazing right I mean, it's massive and it's such a massive although Vic, they trapped us Netflix. man they launched that at what 5.99 a month here in canada and then in february they increased it three dollars a month while also charging 35 dollars to watch their premium movies like yeah. raya yeah but you know what? We'll all pay it because yeah. it's Star Wars, and, you know, so it's working. Um, HBO Have you Max. Been to Disneyland, Rob. <laughs> wait, wait, yeah, I can't wait to go back. Yeah. Like, oh, who, who are we? Um, it's true, though. These do fund the parks whenever they reopen fully. Um, yeah. yeah, that's another and a great story for another day. Um, yeah. 
but yes. Yeah, so, so with the, with Snyder, now you have HBO max more politics, by the way. So HBO max and Warner brothers pictures are very separate entities under the larger umbrella of Warner media, which is led by a very young man, Jason Kalar, who's kind of a business savant in a way. And he took this big risk this, last year to say, Hey, look, we need to fast track this. We're already behind the times on Netflix. We're mega behind the times on Disney plus who beat us at the gate with premium content. And they're killing it with Mandalorian and their Marvel plans. So of course their big plan is, Hey, day and date releases, all of our movies will come to HBO and uh, theaters at the same time. When we can do that. Right. And it began with Wonder woman. Uh, and by the way, unlike Disney, all of the premium movies are free. Right. Yeah. So when, when Godzilla comes out, Godzilla versus Kong in two weeks and, and mortal Kombat a couple weeks after that, they get that if you were an HBO Max subscriber, which is a great, great, great way to get in subscribers. Um, and they desperately need that, uh, especially for AT&T, AT&T, they're corporate overlords. Um, but with 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 Snyder Cut, uh, there's a very big reason why Warner Brothers Pictures wants nothing to do with it, the guys who wanted him out in the first place. So that's why this, of all these big movies, is the only one that's exclusive to HBO Max. So uh, some of the people there realized there was a big fan movement and realize the story was not finished and they want to kind of make amends, do a feel good thing, get a lot of buzz. There's like an unnaturally large amount of online buzz for this, even though it's, it's a relatively niche thing for a big budget superhero film. I use that term lightly, but it's like, it's a very aggressive fan base online. Like they're very vocal. They can set worldwide trends in Twitter on a flip of a dime. And they realize that's a big thing. So if they can make that right, and reset and bring back some attention to some of these characters, it's a rather relatively cheap investment. They don't have to spend $150 million to make Justice League. It's already mm-hmm. mostly there. Mm-hmm. They just got to give them half that or a third of that. They gave them, I think, 40 to 70 million. There's conflicting reports to, to finish it, shoot a little bit more and, and release it. And now they have this finished piece. Um, and it propels Ezra Miller's The Flash back so they can get his movie going. It brings back Ben Affleck, Batman, who also has an appearance in that, in that Flash movie. Um, and Aquaman again and Wonder Woman it's kind of self-feeding itself and all these other future projects are trying to do um so yeah so the amazing story there is like this movie he was pushed out essentially didn't get to finish his movie and four years later now gets to finish it and add more and we can talk about what we saw on the set visit later but like there's they made some changes too he was able to do more and change a bit of his original vision partly to kind of wrap up what may be his end uh as part of this universe or uh, God save us all. He starts a whole new <laughs> fan campaign for restore the Snyderverse and Justice League Two. Who, who knows what happens next? Well, let's. Right. Um, let, I want to get into that a little bit here, but because uh, I think it feeds into the spoilery type of discussions. But first of all, how, how did you feel about the movie? Watching the film, did you like the yeah. Did you like the Snyder cut? Yeah, I enjoyed it for what it is. It's, I mean, it's the easy to say. Oh, it's better than the, the Justice Justice League, whatever. No doubt, that movie looked ugly. As you know, I came to the, without using profanities. It was a very ugly film, um, yeah. and messy and weird. Uh, what is surprising though is like when you, if you compare to the theatrical cut, which is way shorter. This thing's four hours. That was two hours and something. Seventy-five or eighty percent of what was in the the theatrical cut was Zach's footage. They said Warner Brothers somehow made it uglier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's you'd be surprised. There are a lot of things in there which I thought would have been very Joss Whedon-y, but they weren't. They were actually Zack Snyder. Maybe that was his attempt at trying to bring some levity to this franchise. Um, but yeah, it's good. It, it's good. It, it's it's weird. It's it's simultaneously too long uh, because it's a four-hour cut, and there's like scenes that are very strange, incomplete edits or that hang on too long, and it 
there because of the length there are characters that pop in you don't see him again for 90 minutes or, or you don't yeah. meet superman until three hours in he doesn't talk to anyone when he shows up and it's yeah. like what and or, or aquaman's intro there's a scene where these women are singing on the beach for like it feels like five minutes and i don't know what they're singing about or why they're what is this like yeah. weird uh but at the same time it's too short because like i feel like there's so much to dig into in a lot of these scenes and there's so many marketing gimmicks and setups for other things which don't exist yet and yep. may never exist so it's that weird like it could be a great tv show but it's not long enough for that and it's way too long for a movie so um yeah and i guess if you're in a, a bean counter if you're an accountant at warner brothers and you start seeing these dailies and you start hearing the feedback you start freaking out because sure. it does, it, you know, when you when you look at the totality of what Zach just shot and shot and shot, and it feels like he's out of control. It feels like it's a bit listless. Yeah. And this feels like a rough cut of it, even though I, too, enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the movie as a redemption thing, as a vindication kind of tale, especially knowing the tragedy that his family went through. Um, but also, uh, you know, I appreciated the, the stakes of the film. I felt like what was missing in, in the Justice League theatrical, which I didn't hate mostly because I grew up with these DC heroes and it was just mind-blowing I, I was the same, yeah. to see these characters on screen. And, and the Superman ra- Flash run that Joss put together to end that, I love that. You know? That was fun, yeah. I thought that was great. And, and there was a little bit more color. But I'm, that's about it for uh, apologizing for the Justice League movie that, that Joss made. Because after watching this, it's clear that Josh took out all of, and, who, and Warner Brothers, they took out all the stakes. They took out all of the sense of what, the pre, you, you know, what was really the, the, uh, the conflict that these heroes had to face. There was no real connection to that in the theatrical, whereas in this movie, even though they took too long to explain this stuff and there was tons of exposition, we understood you know, well, yeah. the threat. And the same goes for some of the main characters, right? I mean, people will point to the flash and, and mainly cyborg as characters who like needed a lot more time, in the original cut and, and yep. the stakes personally. And, and cyborg is kind of really, it kind of begins and ends with cyborg and his personal tragedy. And, and this is his so much. This is the 100%. cyborg movie. Yeah. It's his movie plus three hours of randomness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, but yeah, it really is though. And it really, I remember seeing the theatrical cut. I was the same way to me. And you got to go back to 2017. This is at a point in time when BVS was kind of like, it didn't get the best reviews. Yeah, it 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 was projected to make a billion. It made like 60 percent of that, and licensing and merch was a bomb. So yeah. it was a failure financially as a business. And it also compared to like Marvel, who was just like crushing it movie after movie and had all these big plans. It was a disaster. Yeah, who, for them. who's going to buy their kid a, a a Batman Affleck figure after Batman is like maiming and shooting and killing everybody in a really dark, depressing Batman versus <laughs> like like it? I love that that you know creation i love the 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 um athleticism and and the the i don't know he's just hard boiled i dig that but it's not a licensing play <laughs> no it's a weird thing because like they're trying to do like appeal to the ypg audience when it was really more r-rated material which is when you mm-hmm. see this movie this is for this is r-rated technically and there's a lot of f-bombs and you know yeah. batman likes to shoot aliens with his yes, stuff he does. including yes. their own guns especially yeah. uh so i mean but you can do it both ways. You do PG-13, make a good movie, and kids love it and want to buy the toys. That's not this. Or if you get into the adult take, and Snyder's involved, so by default, it's the adult take, yep. you have to make something very good quality so people want to buy all the collector stuff. And they didn't do either with the original cut. So right, right. that's where they t- took the L. Um, but yeah, like you said, Cyborg, it really was his movie, and it's a shame that they they kind of pushed him out of the Flash movie that's coming up, and his own movie 
probably never going to happen. But when we saw the theatrical cut, like I loved Ray Fisher. He was barely in it, but I'm like, he's so dark and brooding. There's so much interest. I know there's His so voice much is more. Amazing. That's it. And there's so much more yeah. there for him. And, and I'm glad they really fleshed that out and added more for this one. Cause that's one of the most, one of the biggest highlights of this version. For it doesn't sure. hurt to have Joe Morton as the father too, right? Oh. Like this guy, he's a, he's a Cyberdyne systems, baby. Yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> he, he's a legend and, and he's amazing in it. And it's very emotional. And, and his mom and too. His whole family sequence was amazing. So loved it. Uh, All of it. Yeah. No, that was really, really solid. And I'll tell you the thing that moved me the most in this film was Billy Crudup, uh, watching uh, his son get accepted into the criminology lab or whatever. He, he holds oh, up God, the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, he got the job, and then he just starts flipping out and telling... And he's in jail, and he's telling everybody. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I got chills, and I laughed out loud, and I was like, that, God, that is an amazing performance. So good. Yeah. And you want to know what's heartbreaking about that? He's not in The Flash, I know. They just took him out of The Flash because of scheduling. They delay this movie six times, go through six different directors. We finally get to see him, and we all love him, and they're like, oh, guess what? Yeah. He's out. It's mm-hmm. so a cyborg. It's like they have not learned a thing. Yeah. Ugh, still. Yeah. Well, I, th- this is my question now, right? Like the movie is out. I think generally positive reviews out there. I don't know how you yeah. guys all feel. I promise I'll try to get to uh, some of the comments and stuff. Chris Wynn, thank you for the super chat, by the way. You rock, my friend. Um, but um, I do we know how, how the what the pickup is? Do we know how many subscribers? Do we know like I, there's yet. a lot of positive positivity about this? Is this working for Warner? The, there is. It's it's this is always an interesting thing. Uh, there is, but it, it, social media is very deceptive on this. There, the, you'll right. see movements on on social media which bash a movie and or say don't see this or they say this is great. And then it does it translate the box office, which we don't have for this movie, yeah. or does it translate? In my case, how many people are actively talking about this online outside of Twitter and are reading articles about it or engaging in, in, in purchasing products or subscriptions. It's a very different story sometimes. So uh, I am very curious if this is niche or if this is going to be mainstream, especially since it's going up against Falcon and the Winter Soldier this weekend. Yeah. Um, again, Disney Plus is 100 million subscribers and it's a little more international. HBO Max is like a little maybe more 50, 50 yeah, HBO Max is 15 to 20 million. So by default, your your player pool, so to speak, is a lot smaller. Yeah. Um, we won't know that until next week. I'm sure if they do not have a press release Monday or Tuesday saying, we did this or broke this record, then you know it's not that great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And they'd be hyping it up as well. And and look, in terms of everyone wants to know, is what happens next? Are they going to restore the Snyderverse? Can, can Zach do his trilogy and all this stuff? Zach himself will say, and he's, he's very good at playing the media, um, yeah. will say that he... he this is the end. Warner Bros. Picture says this is a cul-de-sac for him. He has his win. We're done with him. Um, but Warner Brothers Pictures does not speak for HBO Max. Or so I, I'm very yeah, that's it. So so and Zach will only do it. He's on record will say if he has 100 percent creative control, which he had on this because he foregoed his salary. He already right. got paid the first time around. So he did this for entirely for free. Use that millions of dollars to pay Junkie XL for the composition to bring back actors to do all the special effects with Weta and everybody else. Um, who, by the way, did a tremendous job in a very short time period. Yeah, um, we interviewed a, a bunch. It, of people it, it honestly is a beautiful movie. I mean, it, I have major problems with the script. I think that the script has got lots of uh, dead ends. I hate that line. It drives me crazy. What's your superpower? I'm rich. I can't stand that freaking line. That is not. 
it may be something that Bruce Wayne would say to a date, but it's not what Batman would say to anyone. He's smarter than that. <laughs> He's not a showy dude. You know, that's no. not the Batman that I I grew up reading. And I just that's, that's true. Just, you know, I really wanted that line cut. It's and it's not. And I also found that all of Ezra Miller's comedy moments were so forced. You know, like they he, were. He just doesn't. I, they were, and it wasn't him as a performer. It's the way that they're written and the way that they're like. They, they made him too sandwiched in there. He's too cringy in his first half. Yeah, uh, I actually didn't. It's funny the theatrical cut. I thought he was he had his funny moments. And like, okay, fine. I kind of want to see more of him. But in in this version, the first half of the movie, I could not stand him I know. talking. But the special effects and his powers are cool. And in the final act, the third act or sixth act, whatever, like when he's uh, doing his big power show, it's like this is awesome. Now yeah. I get it. And yeah. and obviously his moments with his dad are like some of the best scenes. In the Those film. are great. Yeah. yeah, like he, there, there is a soulfulness and a truthfulness with the performer. He's great. The, the tough thing, and I've said this too, is that Grant Gustin is unbelievable as the Flash. He's just so True. freaking good, and I can never forget him when I'm watching this. You know, yeah. uh, but I, I, um, I like Affleck in the suit more than out of the suit. I feel like again, yeah, he's too. Uh, he looks uncomfortable. You know, he looks and his like voice he, keeps changing, like the level of gravel too. in his voice. I can't. Sometimes he's just Ben Affleck. Sometimes he's like, Alfred's my boss. It's like, yeah. are you Batman now? Or are you like, who are you? <laughs> he has a voice changer, too. So why are you doing the gravel voice plus the voice changer? It's it's never consistent. So. And it was weird. You're right, man. There were times when he was in the suit and there was no voice changer. either. Yeah, I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like... <laughs> and because there's two layers of like reshoots, if you, if you watch like. Man, because like there's original Ben Affleck who I met on set, and then there's like J- Joss Whedon reshoots Batman when he gained weight for another role, yeah. and he's like really falling out that mask. And then there's like reshoot, reshoot in this version where he's like extra space in the mask when he's yes. talking to the Joker. And I'm like, and his voice keeps changing, and I'm like, I, there's a lot of Ben Afflecks in this film. So um, <laughs> that's what happens over four years, folks. Yeah. But we're, we're that being said, I, yeah. I actually quite even in BBS, which is another movie I had tr- a lot of problems with, but. It, it's, it's Zack Snyder has this thing with me. Like I love Watchmen and Dawn of the Dead. And I think yeah. uh, Watchmen especially might be my favorite comic movie of all time. Cause it's just it's an achievement really cool. for me. Yeah. Uh, it, and me, I, I love it. Man of Steel. I actually loved it. I mean, there's a few things in there that I had issues with and it but that's a good example. Shocking, but it was a great movie. It's something I, it's not a love hate relationship, but there's moments I love and moments that just don't work for me. You know, I don't want to get into Man of Steel too much, but BBS is the same thing. Like for, for BBS in this movie, like I actually really, really enjoy Ben Affleck's, Batman. I like the yeah. idea of Dwayne Manor's crushed. He's living in this apartment, but still has the vacuum. I love Jeremy Irons as Alfred. Yes. All of his Batmobile yes. tech, awesome. Yeah. Like, yes. like it's just really, really cool stuff. Um, and I kind of wish they did more of that uh, in, in his own solo movie, which he talked to us on set about as well. I mean, um, yeah, honestly, like I would love to see an Affleck solo film where he's not writing it. Yeah, he, you know, they just let him really kind of find some layers. Uh, Cause I love him in the suit. Like when he, even when he gets into the into the craft that he has to pilot or drive, there's yeah. a physicality there that we've never seen. Like when he, there is never a moment when he's on screen that he's not thinking about where his next jump is going to be or his next position is going to be, and you can see it. And it's it's Batman. It's a great yeah. render. It's not a rubber suit guy, you know. That's no, sort no, of no. Walking he's through good. everything. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, that being said, I did see him once when we spoke to him on set. He was in the suit, except yeah. the back of it was kind of zipped down, and it's like an inch and a half thick foam. <laughs> he looks like the marshmallow man, poor guy. He must be so hot in that thing. Uh, but it makes him look like you know he his arms like that big, but his arms are only like still impressive. Uh, I think we're seeing a similar thing with um, uh, the Superman and Lois Superman every week now. I don't know if you noticed. Oh that. yeah, yeah, they do. That's... They definitely enhance. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. <laughs> There's a lot of that happening. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, you know, I think we can, um, we're going to like really get into spoilers now. So if you don't want to know any of the secrets, this would be the time to kind of fast forward or drop out or, or come back later. Um, uh, we saw Henry, it's Henry Lennox, I believe, is the actor. Mm-hmm. Something that had been rumored for a long time. He was in Man oh. of uh, Steel. Uh, I forget small the small bit, BBS. Yeah. Yeah, small bit. And great voice. He actually read some of the Frank Miller. Uh, Dark Knight Returns at Comic-Con. At Comic-Con, yeah, yes, yeah. To kind of sh- sort of tee up what uh, Zack Snyder's vision for Batman versus Superman was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, well, of course, he's revealed as the the, Ma- the Martian Manhunter in uh, a tiny little sequence, which felt a little bit thrown in, but it was still cool. It's cool seeing, well, first of all, it's Harry Lennox, who's like yeah. uh, voice, handsome, cool dude, been yeah. a big proponent of the Snyder Cup for years. And mm-hmm. like you said, he came on, he just loves this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah. The way they forced, he's in two scenes. The way they forced him in the first scene to meet Lois doesn't make sense to me. Like, well, no. Manipulating Lois out of nowhere. Yeah. And if you're so involved, Mr. Harry Lennox, why aren't you in the final fight or doing something to help? Uh and then he shows up at the very end, and we can talk about that too. The very end sequence where he just cameos and meets up with Ben Affleck, skinny face Ben Affleck. Yeah, he's um, very thin at the end, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reshoot, yeah. Um, or that's the second layer of reshoots. He uh, that was supposed to be Green Lantern. Um, ah, right. Yeah. So they that, they had to- talked that- to Reynolds about that. Okay. For two scenes, and that one was actually supposed to be John Stewart Green Lantern, but then Warner Brothers was like, "No, we're using him in Green Lantern Corps." So. Um, oh. So they stuck with Martian Manhunter, which, by the way, Zack Snyder kind of spoiled that a year ago in Vero. He showed a, some, a clipboard which said Martian Manhunter and Lois Lane. So th- that was part of the plan uh, a while ago. So. OK, so if you've been following the socials on the on the I, I think a lot of this stuff was kind of revealed out there. Yeah, uh, there's not many surprises. Actually, the surprises are the opposite. Like he there are things revealed and teased in the marketing materials which do not exist in this movie or if they do in a very small form like. Martian Manhunter, not really of any consequence in this film. It's just a nod for the fans. It doesn't yes. really fit otherwise, you know? I um, I was a bit surprised because Darkseid has been so heavily hit in all of the marketing materials that yeah. there is no... I mean, it's the tee-up for the sequel, right? Like, yeah. this whole movie is the tee-up. It's the Thanos moment. It's like, we're yeah. talking about him, we're talking about him, we're going to, you know, have some dimensional portal to see him every once in a while, but we're not fighting him. You know, they have some really epic flashback sequences to show how powerful he is yeah. and to show what his motivation is to get the anti-life and to get the mother boxes and all that. Uh, but this is all just the big build up to that eventual showdown. And I that, that kind of surprised me. I thought we were going to get an epic other layer of of combat between the heroes and Darkseid. But that doesn't happen in the movie. No, they they. it's especially interesting because there's no version of Darkseid at all in the theatrical cut right yes, it's all just yeah. ugly steppenwolf and, and steppenwolf they made a little better but he still has a cringy to me people like some people really like him i like his more intimidating beefier costume i, I like the armor the armor is always moving it, and stuff it's I thought moving that was really and, cool and yeah. i like how lethal he is they make him more of a scary intimidating villain yeah. 
However, the first until Superman sc- shows up, which I loved. Oh yes. wow! Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But when, when the first Steppenwolf scenes, though, he's still like. I'm going to show them the darkness, embrace the darkness. It's like, who are you? Why do you try to promote darkness? That's not a good motivation, dude. Yeah. Uh, but then later on, when they peel back layers of why he's working for Darkseid and what's really going on there, it's kind of interesting, but they haven't built up to any of this stuff. They just like threw in mother boxes and threw in anti-life. It's like people call it the multiverse. I call it the MacGuffin verse because no one really cares or knows. No. Unless you're already an established fan, yeah. none of this stuff works for you. So well, that's why- It worked the- way less in the theatrical. Like, true. I, I'm a DC guy, but I think a lot of this mother box stuff was from the dark side death of Superman the comic that happened in the, the yeah. 90s. Uh-huh. I, I was more of an 80s comic guy. You know, I read some yeah. of the stuff and I've really focused on Batman, I think, through the 90s. And so I didn't really have an awareness. And I think there were a lot of us out there that, you know, knew quite a bit about comics, but didn't know all of the minutia. And, and especially the theatrical did such a piss poor job of explaining sure. the threat, right? And the combination of the franchise not really working together. Like if we had a Wonder Woman and Aquaman film, which talked about Atlantis protecting a mother box and, yeah. and Amazon, that being a big part of their culture, protecting this mother box and why, yep. and why these new gods or old gods are a problem, that it would make sense. But now it's just like, they're just throwing it all at you. Plus totally. flashbacks to the future and all. It's like, none of it really, it's, it's, this is a movie by, sort of by the fans for the fans. But that fandom increasingly is shrinking because there's a lot of polarity and responses. Some people love it, some people hate it. And then yep. their critical reviews are like what you'd expect. It's like 6.8 out of 10 on average or whatever. And it, that's not, I think after so many DC Marvel movies, I kind of want to see eights as a minimum going forward. You know what I mean? Yeah, You've got enough right. experience now where yes. I, I don't need sixes. Yes. I don't need, which by the way, going back to the, to the theatrical cut, I, I kind of enjoyed what it was for what it was, knowing it's not that great like you. Part yeah. of the reason back then is because like I saw Wonder Woman, and I'm like, this is a great second act, great leads, but it's a six out of 10. And BVS, yeah, I love parts of it, but parts of it didn't work. It's a kind of a six out of 10. Suicide Squad, to me, was terrible. Oh, and, that was awful. And, and, and Birds of Prey, I thought was bad. And, and, me too. And it just, they, they yeah. keep, they, it's just fail, 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 fail. Like, I, just yeah. stop this six out of 10 franchise, man. Yeah. Just live it, level it up. So obviously this compared to that, well, maybe this is a seven out of 10. So it feels a lot better. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, across the board, we need to start like raising our expectations, I think a little bit. Um, I agree. I agree. I did like the callbacks and the flashbacks seeing Green Lanterns in action, even if it's not yes. Green Lanterns that we're familiar with. It's Killer oh, Zeus. And Zeus, uh, yeah. Yeah, or, it wasn't Kilowog. It was some other sort of Green Lantern that looks kind of like that. That That's dead? The one who dies, yeah. There's a dead one that they the one, pan across. Yeah, the one who dies to, to Darkseid in the flashback. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. the same guy at the beginning and at the end? Is it the same guy? No, they I'm have, not sure what you mean. They have, they have the Green Lantern in one of the flashbacks. He flies up in the air. He's blasting at some of the uh, the parademons. Yeah. And is it that is it that Green Lantern? That's that... the one that gets caught and killed, and the ring flies off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They, they kind of changed it up a little bit, but yeah, that that alien is not unnamed. I'm not, I forget which which Green Lantern that actually is, well, but it's not because it's not there Kilo-Log. is another Green Lantern panning shot where there's a dead, broken body, and it was inside of something. And it and oh, it, it I can't be talking over. about. Yeah, and I, it looked a lot like Kilowog to me. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I, mean, I, I because he very... like he's talking about killing on all kinds of other worlds. And oh stuff. God, I hope not. But dude, yeah, there's so. Him. There's so much stuff in this movie. It's really hard to like keep it all, you know, in your brain, right? And th- yeah, this is and definitely the, a, a yeah. multi-viewing thing, but just not in a row. Like, give it a break, yeah. a breath, and then go back to it. And sure, uh, I was rewinding stuff for sure, you know, just in case I missed something because there's, there's so much visual stimulation in this damn movie. Um, let's talk about Henry Cavill coming back as Superman, which I think. Uh, 
It took it, it took forever in this film. We knew it was coming. You know, I thought that they explained the ramifications of bringing a Kryptonian back to life or, or anyone back to life quite well, and and how they use the mother box to kind of be the catalyst to do that. And and uh, you know, Batman's still kind of shaking from the visions that he's had and and has doubts about it. Cyborg's got his own doubts. I thought all of that stuff was pretty cool. Yeah, and they doubled down on like the dark side and or Dasad and and Steppenwolf talking about like this world is not protected by Kryptonians or Green Lantern Corps members and like yeah. Yeah, the cyborg tech is very anti-Kryptonian. Yeah, which also was a little bit of that was in the in the theatrical cut, but uh, I agree. Oh, they also tied into the that scene of Jesse Eisenberg in the, in the the life liquid with the boxes and talking to the Steppenwolf or learning about that too. So yeah. they made a little more sense of that resurrection and also the consequences of yeah, it. How did they revive them in, in the theatrical? Did they use the pool or I can't even it's remember. It's the same thing. It's, it's the flash running to charge up the thing, but they kind of rush to it. You don't get to see them going through all the tech. You don't get to see Cyborg's father in there, like doing the evacuation and stuff. So uh, they kind of fast track that part of it to get to the fight. Right. I, I did. I did like the way that they presented the resurrection of Superman actually thought that was actually pretty cool. But it is uh, it is awesome when he's back. Holy shit. And boy, do I want a Cavill Superman thing again. You know? I know, whether HBO Max makes it just for the streaming people or whatever, you know, he, he's he's not perfect. Like, I still like Reeve better. And there's things about Brandon Routh's stuff that I like, but he's just very good. He's just very if you, you really believe that that is that dude is Superman, you know, he's tremendously likable and yep. increasingly likable over time and part of it is like he's a huge gamer he's oh he's so likable in the witcher and doing all the press for that so yeah. and everybody he's really oh then he does like you know mission impossible 7 where he's like just incredible and now everybody is like just demanding him to come back but again this is part of the warner media trouble they're, they're going ahead with a michael b jordan superman movie so yeah. with some other potentially different superman but again multiverse we could have different yeah, There's like multiple Jokers, multiple Batman. Who, I mean, who knows? I think Tyler Hawkland is doing a commendable job as Superman on, on yeah. the small screen right now. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I think Warner Brothers just if if they aren't if they're coming at this without a strategy, a Kevin Feige plan, then they are just leaving money off the table by not giving the like they should make a cyborg show. Cyborg yeah. is so compelling in this movie, and and uh, Ray Fisher is so good in this role. And he's he's so new to making films, and like he's a he's a guy that they could make good with, you know. Yeah, they could clean up a lot of mess by just going back and saying, I agree. "All right, I think giving an HBO Max show and tying it into something else, and I'm great. sure Zach would love to EP that. Like, it would be yes, very good feel good moment and a really good move by Warner Media to clean up that one hundred percent. Same same kind yeah. of thing, honestly, with Disney and. Uh, uh, Finn, um, I forget the, the actor's name right now. The guy that plays Boyega, uh, John Boyega. Yeah, John Boyega. Like the yeah, same. Yeah, get thing. him a Marvel movie, man. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, Marvel movie or or put put him back in in a Finn show that focuses on him and sort of gives that character the depth that we got robbed of. I, I agree. Of. Here, uh, not to get any speculation mode, but like if I were like a fan theorist, yeah, uh, I think Kendall will be back, and I'll tell you why. So so. We talked about the different production Dude, companies. Dude, I want to do this podcast with you every week. We're just a couple of <laughs> freaking Wait, man, nerds so many going franchi- off. The- Dude, every week we can do this about a video game, a TV <laughs> show. There's so much going on. Uh, 
But let me tell you this quickly. So, so we talked about the different production companies doing different divisions of the DCEU, as it were. Yeah. One of them is Seven Bucks Productions, which is The Rock's company. The Rock, Dwayne yeah. Johnson, who's partnered with Xbox and all that stuff right now. Uh, he has been teasing Black Adam for years and years and years. He's a smart man. He knows what he's going to do yeah. no matter how long it takes. Yeah. Right. So he, this was like eight, nine years ago. He went to have this meeting. It was going to be Shazam or Black Adam. He chose Black Adam. He teased art with fans, this and that. It happened. He did Shazam first. His company does it. Black Adam's on the way. They're shooting it like next month. He's got his whole cast together. And they know they're doing Shazam too. And he teased during like the big DC Fandom event back in August. And he keeps saying, you know, this is the guy. I'm going to change the power hierarchy of this entire franchise. You know, someone to go toe-to-toe Superman. And he keeps saying five times he said this. Maybe one day I will go toe-to-toe with Superman. Yeah. Okay. Tease. That's number one. Two. Do you know who his business partner yes, is? Yes, his wife. co-president of or Seven Bucks Productions? Right. Ex-wife. Who, Danny Garcia, right, who, who is the agent of reps. Henry Cavill, yes. uh, who was renegotiating against Warner Brothers yes. for Cavill. So, oh my God, I'm telling you, Black Adam 2 or Shazam 3, something, Cavill's going to come back. And we're gonna see Black Adam fight him. I mean, it's, it's just to money off the table, right? Like, you, <laughs> oh like, yeah. They, uh, and and the ego's got to get out of the way, or or a big ego's got to come in and and sort of rein it all and shepherd all of this and have the strategy like Kevin Feige has. And mm-hmm. what's amazing about Kevin Feige is I don't think that guy is a big jerk or an e- a big egomaniac around all this stuff. I think he just is no. driven and knows what he wants to do, and he's sure, very totally. shrewd and. And he just loves this stuff, man. He lives it. He loves it. And I, I don't know why Warner Brothers couldn't find that. I don't, I just, I don't understand so, it. It, it. It would have been Zach had they not messed yeah. around, right? Yeah. Hey, here's the thing. The comparable piece between Feige and Zach is Zach did have a larger vision and really knows the comics. Kevin Feige's thing is that he always knew the comics. But more than anything else, the biggest, most interesting comparison piece between Feige and Zach is that everyone who works for them in terms of talent is immensely loyal the small team the ragtag group that started marvel studios has only blown up and all those producers all every assistant who worked for kevin feige over the last two decades is now a producer in one of those films that's awesome and they've never left they're yeah. all there and it keeps growing 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 um and that's all the jackson uh, and, and a george and, lucas kind of model right there and, and when when yeah. when there was that big problem with ike perlmutter the old marvel entertainment yeah. guy yeah between him and, and actors and movies and this and that Feige got it fixed. Feige brought back Danny Jr. by himself. Feige kept Hemsworth happy during the like the whole Thor 2, Avengers 2 mess. Like everybody's on his side. And it was Zach. His entire crew and cast will like fight for him and do anything he wants. Yes. That kind of loyalty doesn't happen unless you have something special going on. People love yeah. you. They like look at everybody who moved to Vero. Harry, Harry, we talked about Harry Lennox earlier, but like look at Clay Anos, the photographer, the DP, the junkie XL composer, everybody, Michael Wilkinson, the costume designer, everybody, every oh, he, cast he member. He shot in Vancouver a bunch of times, and I know people that have worked with him, and they adore everybody, Zack Snyder. They think Patrick's he's absolutely amazing. Yeah, legendary production designer, director of his own, would like die for Zack Snyder. Like, yeah. who else does that? Imagine building a franchise around a guy like that. Of course, the problem is that you got to elevate the quality of the films a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's the, that's the problem, and yeah. like we still don't have that here you know he's still yeah. got all of this extra time he he was misdirected with these characters you know it's a cool alt universe take sure on these characters and we have comics and i said this in my kind of non-spoiler review yesterday but we have comics like the dark knight returns and and uh uh, you know, Batman 100. There are definitely some really brutal adult-oriented superhero, DC superhero books that we can sure. read. But the core of these comics still has to be 
you know, available to a huge sweeping demographic. And I think that Zack Snyder's vision for all of this, right from Superman breaking Zod's neck in Man of Steel, you know, has just been too dour. Just been too dour, you know? Like, there there could have been some really heavy moments that, that resonated and, and affected us, but they didn't have to go all that way. You know, Batman should not have, even after 20 years, been strapping, especially when we're just getting to know his Batman. We shouldn't, yeah. the first thing we see is, is him with machine guns on his Batmobile, just shooting everybody and, you know, just killing and branding, vil- like, that's just, that's a uh, lot exactly. to take. I- I don't mind. Like you said, the problem is they didn't start in the right spot. You can't just yeah. start the franchise in phase two. You need to earn it. Like I, I, mm. I had this argument endlessly with people on, on our own screen rant team years yeah. ago before, before it happened. And I've at the end, I was right. <laughs> you can look back now, yeah. but I was like, Hey, you know, it, it's cool to have flash on a team, but why doesn't, who is flash? What does he overcome and lost to get to this point? How did he earn his spot? Yeah. A random guy who's fast is not interesting to me. A guy who yes. had this problem with his father, who had to sacrifice and go through time and fought these villains. And now he has he's going to the bigger stage with other godlike creatures to fight even worse godlike creatures. That's interesting to me. Not just taking a bunch of random characters and throwing them together and being like, look, they're all awesome and killing people. And it's like, yeah. it's not that awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, it's not that awesome. And but, it, it would be <laughs> if we knew them and we went for this journey for a while, right? Like yeah. do a young... Batfleck movie where we see you know not necessarily day one but sort of in the yeah. middle of his career and then we we see that Robin death that is alluded to you know through all of the Zack Snyder work right sure. right up to the ending of uh, of uh, this Justice League Snyder cut it, you know let us feel those things rather than just it, it's an expo- expo- expository little piece a little morsel that we as super fans know and can kind of tack to it we should have just been able to feel all of this stuff and i feel like Zack snyder probably was the right creative lead to guide us there but his own innate choices were misguided you know and and honestly i think he should have followed up man of steel with man of steel 2 he I made almost us think another Superman movie. I feel like if he had his way, that would have been the plan. I think I think the beginnings of the Warner Bros. issues began right after that because yeah. that movie made whatever amount of six hundred million, whatever it was, and yeah. maybe not what they really wanted, especially in terms of reviews. It was not exactly a critical darling. Yeah. Um, but with BVS, that's where the hijackings first sort of happened. People totally. forget that. People think it started with Justice League, but no, 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 no. BVS was delayed like a year and it had reshoots and reshoots. It became extremely expensive. And when he started that movie, it was a Man of Steel sequel. And then it kind of became this idea, well, maybe we can do a Batman Superman thing. And then it became, oh, wait, now we got to do Wonder Woman as well. It's like, okay, now it's a Trinity. Oh, wait, we have to set up the Justice League. Let's include like tablet photos of like three other superheroes and call it dawn of justice it's like oh wait ben affleck's here well he's a producer now we're gonna have his writer come in and rewrite stuff and it's like what it's like so so from the beginning yeah there's never really been so we got one movie (laughs) that's it and then the hijackings began and just kind of steamrolled in a bunch of different directions from there which is you talked about zach's vision being like his own sort of he can have his own little world, but, and, and then we also talked about Billy Crudup. He's being replaced now in the flash, which is to me heartbreaking. Yeah. And, but that like inconsistency and, and canonical breaks is everywhere. Like even in this movie talking about like Aquaman's role. Yeah. Like even, they don't even respect each other. Like James Wan changed Aquaman's eyes. He has white eyes in this film. Yeah. 
and he, he meets Mira. And Amber Heard has an English accent in this film. And like orange hair and a different yeah. costume. And then we yeah. meet her in Aquaman. She's got this like like cosplay green thing, like uh, Little Mermaid red hair and doesn't yeah. have an accent at all. Yeah. Al- Aquaman's eyes are different and Volko's hair is in costumes different. That's Willem Dafoe's character. Yeah. And Atlantis looks entirely different. It's like, what is going on? Yeah, Why it's are not- you not... Yeah, it's totally not what James Wan was building at all. And, and it's, it's like, like they didn't talk to each other, right? No, imagine so Iron weird. Man showed up in Avengers 2 and he's like got a gold costume and his hair is yellow and he's got different color eyes. It's like, what? <laughs> he's got a British accent. Like, but it's Sherlock the same Holmes. actor. Yeah, it's like, wait, yeah. it's not. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, yeah, that's, yeah, it's so sad, right? Because this yeah. almost works as a testament to why we're at this point, you know? They, and I didn't mind the introduction of of uh, Atlantis and the way, and this was our first kind of look at a lot of that stuff. I didn't mind some of the creative choices there. So we got to see Atlantis. We got to see Iris West get rescued by uh, Barry Allen. I liked that sequence quite a bit. That was pretty visually cool. impressive. Yeah, yeah, um, where he rescues her, being she's just about to get into this. A, you know, life-ending car accident, and he catches her in, in uh, super slow-mo, lots of slow-mo in this movie. Yeah. Um, but it's very effective. I thought that was a, a, a really nice piece there. Uh, cool I didn't scene. mind Wonder Woman rescuing everybody in the museum there when, they, when they've got it at oh, the beginning yeah. of the thing. It, that was sort of like their nod to the, if you remember like the beginning of The Dark Knight, the big bank heist sequence, it's very yeah. much in, in that vein. I do have a big problem with that scene though, because I think they did a better job making her look powerful. Like she's dodging bullets and like the, the use of slow motion there is a, is a bit much, but it looked better than it did in the theatrical cut. My problem is the end of that scene where there's one like terrorist left and he, he's like trying to shoot all the, all the people. And she like, they show how she's faster than a speeding bullet and blocks all the bullets. And then he's running, he's out of bullets now. So what does he do? He goes to reload his gun and Wonder Woman, who's faster than a speeding bullet, instead of just taking the gun away or, taking him out kills him. what does she do she goes and blows up the entire side of the building while inside a room full of children and then a second later the girl's like i want to be like you it's I like know. you just evaporated this guy uh, she did the she did the Zack snyder move man it's like <laughs> you're yeah, faster and- than a bullet just take him out why you take the wall out I, oh and it's like God. that that uh the the, the way this the wave the percussive wave of, of clashing yeah. the the bright the uh, braces together doesn't go backwards apparently it only goes in one direction uh, it, uh, and the building should collapse and all those people die totally like, right oh my god well and and the way i mean she and she outright kills those bad guys too like she's throwing yeah. them into walls you see their heads just splatter it, on the it's, walls it's it's very it's, different than 1980s diana who beats people with ropes and love very this, different yeah. from the patty jenkins diana yeah, where this is... she, you know, the you know, Wonder Woman really has a thought and she'll like put a chair under a bad guy or she'll gently catch somebody before they hurt themselves. No, uh, she, she's the full on Amazonian warrior, which was the, I will say this on set visit, like the point of the Amazonians are supposed to be the, the most dangerous, lethal warriors for a reason. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense that if someone's trying to kill kids, she, she has a sword and a shield. What is she going to do? <laughs> Take everybody out. But I did think the this thing to show off powers was just absurd and didn't yeah. fit anything. So, yeah. Um, yeah, she she's a bit. For such an important character in the DC canon, she she could have been served better. And I guess what they they feel balances it out is how much time we spend with the Amazons. And I thought those sequences were pretty cool, but they were so green screeny. They it was, were so yeah. affected. Um, it was hard to kind of believe the moments. And you know, not only is it 
actors in front of green screens and everything's painted in, but all of the villains are also digitized as well. So it's just yeah, and and it's kind of a lifeless environment. They're running through fields of just like pure grass. You don't there's no like depth there, and it's yeah, yeah it, it, it that's the most video gamey sequence in the it's film. It's very I think. video gamey, and I yeah. think they were trying to shoot for a Lord of the Rings kind of vibe with some of the. Uh, fantastical conflict there but it just uh, it doesn't hit those highs you know and no. and we're still and you know again we have no we we now have wonder woman movies that we can reference as a point of entry into those worlds but it's still not enough to no. you know consume that much screen time you know yeah I, yeah yeah it, it derails. Well, there's a lot of that. It does. The, that's the problem with the film having too many subplots. It just derails. And because you're spending a lot of time on a, on a sequence like that and then jumping to a cyborg sequence, there are characters you see and get invested in for a second. And there's an emotional beat and then they're gone for yeah. 75 minutes. And it's like, oh, so the pacing, given the nature of this film, is horrendous. Like the it's a, and the editing is very strange. There are, there are some parts I feel are even missing. Like when we get to the first Justice League team-up of sorts, when the, the Nightcrawler robot comes out and they're climbing up the wall, they don't really explain how the Nightcrawler or Batman's vehicle gets there. Yeah. Um, and then worse, at the end of the sequence, Aquaman just shows up in costume with his, with his trident. How does he know this is happening? Why is he here? It, it just kind of happens. And it's like, I feel like there's more there how Aquaman yeah. gets involved and it's just <laughs> missing. So... Um, yeah, you're a right. lot of that. He, yeah, he just they have the uh, Gotham Harbor coming into the uh, into the wherever they are, the sewers or something like that. Mm -hmm. And and uh, yeah, Aquaman just happened to be in the area and he comes in to rescue all the heroes. Well, yeah. I guess what we do recognize is that there's these pulsing waves going out around the world and people are recognizing that people are trying to chase down the uh, mother boxes. And he probably, I mean, we're filling in the narrative blanks here, but he probably. This followed. would be cool stuff to see, I think. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, I, I'm going to ask the chat if you've got comments or questions about the Snyder Cut or anything you want me to ask uh, Rob here. Go ahead and do that. Help me out by putting an all caps thing there, though, so I can see whether it's a comment or a question or whatever. Let's get some of you guys involved in this. What was your favorite part of the. Uh, of watching the Snyder cut apart from, you know, having kind of like a personal connection with creators sure. involved and seeing that vision realized, which must've been pretty cool for you too. Right. Because I know that when you visited, I'm sure the expression from everybody was from a place of like positivity yeah. and best interests. There are two things that did never show up in this film. I'll tell you about later, by the way. Uh, but yeah. I was very happy. Yeah. Again, it's weird. Cause I, I did spend time on set years ago and then the year later did a, press conference junket for something that was totally different but uh, i'm very happy to see more of like the artistry behind the scenes like when we do the 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 uh what do they call it they call it the history lesson we see the flashbacks of like zeus and everybody fighting we got to see more details in the work they put into everything and they look at the amazonians in that scene you may not notice this but all of their costumes are different because they're ancient they're wearing leather and bone versus the amazonian sequence when they're protecting the mother box centuries later they're wearing golden armor so like there's all those characters, many of them who returned, are wearing completely different costumes. And people don't even realize that level of detail that, that went into that. And that's, that's across cool. the board. Like the yeah. amount of detail that went into like the, the mother boxing casings for each culture has a different type of casing. The Atlantean shell, the red leather of the Amazonian. So it's, it's very interesting seeing a lot of stuff in more detail and the way Zach shoots it with like a very photography mind. Yeah. Um, that was cool. But I think more of the heartfelt moments you and I were geeking out about, like seeing like Ray Fisher cry, talking to his mom after that, like that stuff was like, that's yeah. the kind of powerful stuff that she lean into. So that was probably my favorite part. Um, yeah. 
that and and just seeing like you said i wish there was more superman he shows up three hours into this film with a different color costume but seeing him just like dominate <laughs> stefan wolf was uh makes me demand to see more of that so that, that was cool uh, that was expertly put together too you know yeah like He's, he's very godlike. He's just like floating and he's yeah. just like towers over this guy that yeah. it's awesome. Whatever you got. <laughs> oh yeah, he's not impressed, right? He gets hit by uh, Steppenwolf's sword no and it's just sort of nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that was amazing and that was really expertly portrayed. Did you like that he was wearing the black costume the whole time or were you kind of hoping that he would go back to the to the red and blue? Um in the confines of this film, they don't explain. Like, I get the nod to the comics, and we should say, in the in, in reality, on set, he's not wearing a black costume. They digitized that, so yeah. they did that after the fact. In the sequence where he's walking through the Kryptonian ship and he sees like the battle armor and all these different costumes from yeah, they don't Kryptonian even show history. the black. Yeah, they, they right. kind of show the last one open. He's like, "Oh, that's the one I want because of marketing gimmicks." Um, there's no reason for him to wear that outside of we like it from the comics i guess you know what i mean so i mean yeah. i guess it looks cool as a fan i'm, I'm I, sure the, the, the marketers i, I wasn't one of those fans that thought the black costume looked cool i never did but i didn't really uh, fall in for the hype of the death and return of superman yeah i, I kind of wish they earned that in this movie it, part of it because they don't have enough of him in this movie to earn that moment or explain it enough um i mean it looks cool it's cavill i'll take you i'll take what i can get i guess i i want them to i mean if they ever do more with them. I want I want them to go uh, and, and revert. Absolutely. Nintendo yeah, he'll, he'll 17 says, uh, hey, Rob, any other films, you know, with two different cuts that drastically change the film? The only other one I can think of is The Protector 85. I've never seen The Protector 85. Uh, I, I, films with a drastically different cut. Um, well, the Richard Donner Superman 2 is is the prime example and i i think you know we have jimmy olsen from the original superman is a uh a bit play has a cameo in here as one of the cops and i love that i love that there are any acknowledgements i also love the fact that the flash and his time travel to save superman is kind of like a nod to superman using time travel to save lois lane sure um i like that there's and I that, that's one thing that I do like about the DC work in general across television across movies there's always an, a, an attempt to bring in past stars and past creative work and and I, I think it was a Gardner Fox truck that was uh, going to run into Iris West um, and so there's like a lot of really interesting allusions to the lore, the external lore across the DC stuff like that. It happens in Marvel too, but I really like that in the DC work. I mean, like it, it's a normal part of part of Hollywood to shoot a bunch of stuff and it gets changed on, on set and it gets drastically changed. But a lot of those things you see eventual releases or partial versions of that. You see it with like Ridley Scott's Blade Runner, right? We got yeah. different variants of that. A big one though uh, is the Amazing Spider-Man Two. Mark mm -hmm. Webb shot all his sequences with Mary Jane that never saw the light of day. They hit it so well they won't even acknowledge it on the Blu-ray release or the collector's edition. So. Wow. They, the weeks of work with a different character implied and it doesn't even exist um, that's crazy yeah do we even get Mary Jane and I can't remember that movie but she's not Shailene Woodley doesn't even exist in that universe and Unreal. she was on set cast paid hired insane right wow um, yeah and there's of course Rogue One a Star Wars story has a right. very different cut um, I love that movie by the way I don't Me know too. how they saved it it's my favorite Disney Star Wars movie but it, it gets better on every viewing I find 100% like yeah. more of that Disney if you're paying attention um, which they are doing they're doing Cassie and Andor Disney Plus series um, but yeah there's one or two I can't talk about uh, legally um, there's there's weird ones too like Seven Sons that weird uh, Jeff Bridges film that yeah. 
changed hands from like Universal to Warner Brothers. And then they, because of that, they kind of, we did a set visit for that when it was a Universal flick and they changed so much of it and it was a garbage mess. They just said, forget it, pretend this never happened. And then they, re- I don't know. So it's like, no one cares about that movie. So, but yeah, there's a bunch, there's a bunch like that. It, you know, you forget because we consume this stuff as pure entertainment and, and out of joy and love to be, you know, enthralled and to disappear into these universes, but it's a business and it's a complicated business and the, the money has to be, you know, remade. And now there's so much analytic information that, that goes into deciding everything. It's it's a very I have a good one. Right? Good one. Yeah. So you and I talked about this before, I think. But I my first encounter with Hugh Jackman was on the set of The Wolverine in, in right. Australia. They shot yeah. it overnight in the summer there. They made this Japanese snowy village, and they had him like fighting ninjas in the snow. And he was on top of a snowplow, was spinning in the ice. He was throwing motorcycles at people. None of it was in the theatrical version. <laughs> I spent like two days with the second unit director, David Leach, by the way, who went on to direct Deadpool two nice. and Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, yeah. The John Wick franchise, amazing dude. Uh, one of the best stunt performers and stunt what doubles happened? in history. They just didn't didn't use it, and they ended up putting it in the unleashed. DVD version, uh, and you get to see that whole sequence with the comics. That famous scene from the comics when he's full of arrows, you get to see him earn that moment. Um, yeah, it's actually a great sequence. It just it was just too too long, I suppose. Oh but man, you can I watch it on Blu-ray. Yeah, I want to now. I want to watch that. That's awesome. a, that's a that's a perfect way to promote that. Okay, I've got a few more questions here. Tiago Santos says, "What do you think of the use of the four by three format for this movie, and also the uh, the next upcoming uh, Mortal Kombat movie?" Those are two separate questions, but uh, oh, I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, yeah. One, I think it was dumb. Um, HBO Max is not an IMAX format um we do not have imax home theaters that's not a normal thing so if this is an hbo max exclusive i think we should probably aim to serve the hbo max audience yeah and if you want to do your imax version or have the option have both you can watch it in black and white four by three or normal human version they're uh, just files right you know yeah it's it's dumb it's dumb and as for the mortal Kombat, that's a mistake by the way, Todd Garner, the producer of that, clarified that it is going to be available on IMAX, but it's the same 2.39 times by one format. There is no four by three aspect ratio for Mortal Kombat. Oh, there was a discussion about going. Yeah, it came up today. He actually said it in a tweet and then we reported on it. And then he responded to us and me saying, no, 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 there's no four by three. It's the same aspect ratio. What was he doing? He was just saying, someone asked him basically if like Zack Snyder's version will he have an imax cut and he just said yes that was his answer so everyone's ah, like oh okay. he must yeah, mean yeah, four by three but he's saying no 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 there it is for imax as well but we don't have a four by three version of it so okay okay um, yeah um uh zero three blair says why did whedon cut so many of cyborg scenes makes no sense even with the time restrictions uh, yeah i mean the, you have uh, to be careful what we say here <laughs> well i mean the, ray fisher has said that uh he was essentially a racist you know and, yeah. and, and had the, uh there's a and certain it was it was a multi-person discussion that that people didn't want to see an angry black man and yeah that's what came back and we don't know it's all it's all yeah it's all hearsay but we can yeah. say this like cyborg's father who's a black actor and cyborg's father's assistant in the film who's an asian actor vanished from the film in the theatrical cut so yeah. not to speak for others but ray fisher basically said like all, all the 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 people of color in this film were kind of reduced or taken out and that's you know in terms of timelines, that part's true, but I don't know how much of that is Whedon or Warner Brothers, right? So, yeah, um, yeah, that's it. It's an awful situation. It was a, it was a poor decision because you know they're, Cyborg, they're some of the best parts. It, it, yeah. Well, he is the heart of the movie. That's what Zack Snyder's been saying for years, and that was absolutely true. Partially because we don't really get to know any of the other characters any better than we've already known them, and right? and 
it, the, the the theme there is that he's he considers himself you know frankenstein's monster he's a monster but he's also the most human of us he represents that yeah and he's the one who's trying to do good by others his whole arc is about how he keeps sacrificing himself to help others yeah. um which is so powerful in what this movie is really about well and so. also i i think in in our current kind of uh you know digitized reality that we're all in right now all of us super connected all the time he exemplifies uh I don't know, like something that we can really understand. The power of control over the machines like that is a profound thing when our reality is so um, benefited from our our internet connectivity and all of these different digital tools that we all have. And then here comes the, the Swiss army knife of all of that. I did find yeah. it weird that... Uh, he basically robs a bank to help out a, 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 a woman that's struggling and he just gives her a bunch of you, you know money in a bank machine. I thought that was maybe not the best way to show yeah. off his superpower. That was a little video gamey, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, also, you know, morally, doesn't like the, the woman needs help, but do you just steal that money and give the money to somebody? It just doesn't feel like a superhero thing to do, you know? I was, I was going to make an Activision joke here, but it's probably not at the right time. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, I don't know where the money came from. We'll assume it's someone bad. <laughs> yes. Uh, Kate Ondor says, what did you guys think of Leto's Joker performance in this one? I thought it was miles better than the Suicide Squad version. And I loved how he interacted with Affleck's Batman. Uh, I don't know. I I feel Joker's so... It's like nobody's going to ever touch Heath Ledger is kind of how the, I feel about it, you know? Mm -hmm. he He was just so amazing when when ledger came out and he's just really like i i loved um i loved the joker movie and and uh joaquin phoenix did a great job of uh inhabiting that role and that character but i still could never forget ledger's performance you know and so now leto just feels like another one you know he kind of feels like the gotham joker you know to me yeah, I'm of two minds. Did you say this is questions from Cade Onder? Yeah. Oh, I love Cade Onder. He's a writer for ScreenRant.com, everybody. Oh, right on. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Love this guy. Love this guy. One of our best. Um, good question, Cade. Cade's been tweeting a lot about this film. Um, okay. Uh, here's the thing. Yeah, it's certainly better than Suicide Squad, but Suicide Squad is awful. It, it's, it's in fact, it's so bad the director and Leto like, disowned that version of the Joker. You know what I mean? So... Um, it's better than that. Uh, it's they try to lean into the Heath Ledger thing a bit with the look, the, like the more yeah. smudginess, and he's not like the super slick, suave Doesn't dude. Have ha 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 written on it. No, but I like how he's like. I mean, this is the most extreme dark Batman in that moment too, right? He's like, yeah. "I'm gonna effing kill you," yeah. <laughs> all that kind of stuff. It's a great scene for that, but it's weird. It's hard to compare to Ledger because even though Ledger infamously only had like what twelve or eighteen minutes of screen time in The Dark Knight, he yeah. feels like he was the whole movie. Yes, we still haven't he was like a random add-on who didn't belong in suicide squad and in this he's like almost a random add-on to totally three-minute prologue at some point someone's got to make the ben affleck batman movie with deathstroke and then one with joker or something so we actually get to see that any of these characters live in their own world for once warner brothers make a story about a character please yeah. um and then uh i would appreciate it more but i'll tell you what though it's growing on me more and more just because jared leto is so into it and so passionate about it and so positive about Snyder and coming back and working with that team like that for some reason makes me kind of love the idea of it more of what you know what, what could potentially be so yeah and I think he's he's definitely a, a good actor with the chops to inhabit that role 
I just think it's an overused character that, you know, it's just a dangerous choice to be a Joker, period. It is. In terms, in context of this film, the larger problem, and not to detract from what you're saying, Jared Leto is a quality actor, and I kind of, I do want to see more of his Joker after this, but um, there's too many marketing gimmicks with this film, right? Yeah. So even even with this character, in, in the trailers, they have this, we live in a society line, which everyone lost their mind over. Yeah. That line does not, not exist in, the in this film. I know. It was just in all those trailer. photos that don't exist in this movie. The, the infamous Frank Miller's like the bat tank, which everyone was losing their mind over on Twitter. I, I put this tweet that got thousands of likes saying, hey, we never saw that on set. That's a nice addition for the movie. It's not even in the movie. It's yeah. like one shot in the background that has no context or anything. Yes. Uh, there's too much of these gimmicks. It's like, guys, you have four hours of screen time. Why, well, why are you feeding us and, lies? And that online? epilogue just goes on and on. It reminded me of Return of the King. It's like, are we done? Is this movie going to go? Is Are, are we... And, and does Lex Luthor, Deathstroke, why are they in this movie? Yeah. Unless you've already greenlit this Batman movie I don't know about and Lex and Lex and Deathstroke are in it. Like, let's stop with that. Tell your story. You got yeah. four hours here. So... Um, I mean, it, it does feel like the beginning of an interesting idea, that apocalyptic ending and, and all of totally. these disparate different individuals with superpowers or their badass villains all kind of banding together to you know face the uh the uh superman murderer kind of idea i think that's pretty cool um little injustice tag for sure um but uh it does feel superfluous it does feel like it's added on for uh uh to get us talking about it more than it serves the value of the storytelling. Uh, Goku's got a great comment and a super chat. Thank you, sir. He says, this is coming from a former Game Rant writer under my government name. Uh, How does it make you feel uh, to see just how big Screen Rant has gotten? That one's for Uh, you, Rob. It's exciting because like Screen Rant, I consider my baby. I joined that thing... uh, Basically, as soon as I finished a master's degree, I was a reader of the site. It was a blog of four people. And now it's like one of the largest entertainment publications in the world with 300 people involved. And Game Rant, a site I co-founded 11, 12, 13 years ago, is now part of our network as well. So we, if you don't know, Game Rant, The Gamer, Collider, CBR, and Scream Rant are all part of the same family. And that is all built on a model I helped build for 13 years as part of my life. So it feels like part of my blood. And people like Cade and, and yourself all being part of that. And and by the way, not to tangent here, that is what led me to meeting you at Comic-Con all those years ago, Vic. I grew up watching you and I met you there. Now we're talking about the Snyder Cut. <laughs> it's like, it all comes full circle. It's it's awesome. I mean, I couldn't be happier like you, Vic. Like this is, we, we grew up with this stuff. It's, it's pure passion driven. And if we can make some sort of business or family out of this, that's the ultimate awesome. It's pretty damn incredible. Yeah, yeah, congrats on all of that growth. I know that the, uh, you know, managing all of these dif- different elements in different territories around the world is incredibly difficult. It's, we had very satellite yeah. offices shooting content for That's our right. shows. both coasts. Yes, but the uh, we didn't get 300 people. That is a lot of people, man. That's a lot of bodies. <sighs> a lot of people, too. a lot of content. Well, it's a lot of different. I mean, you know, we're just talking about today, we tinted at games and TV and movies, and that's like a subset of what we do. Uh, and there's so much to dig into. Think of all the topics we talked about. Every sentence we brought up today is an article to dive into. And we have 100 people doing that for the last two weeks. You know what I mean? So uh, it's exciting. But yeah, it's tough from a business standpoint. It is very challenging. And it's weird to be in a case of, despite our size, doing 300 plus articles a day from 300 people, we still want and are looking to add more. We're constantly adding more and more and more. Like Kate, Kate, someone I found on Twitter, reached out to him and I'm like, hey, I've seen your game stuff. Do it for us. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, I'm constantly in that mode, which is exciting, but also daunting. You know, that's awesome. Congrats. 
Thank you. Uh, let's see. We, I think we had one or two other comments in here. Uh, I, if I can get them in here. Um, okay, this one's from Black Star Afro Two. Do you think side stories similar to comic runs, for example, the death of Robin and Teen Titans, um, do do we think that Warner Brothers should make those? I guess is the question. Do we think that they should make some of the side stories? I mean, I think that's kind of what is under the purview of uh, huge deals with Bad Robot and what yeah. HBO Max is all about now, right? Like they're going to do a dark Justice League Dark and yeah. there's going to be a lot of new additions. I think, I think it. it's kind of uh, open season right now and it has been for years. If you go back to the last five years and just look at the amount of projects that were somehow announced from a Deathstroke movie with Gareth Edwards in the style of the raid, you know what I mean? Like all, all these things, then there's been various versions of people pitching, uh, uh, you know, Batwoman and, and Nightwing and all these other movies. Like Chris McKay was supposed to do Nightwing films. So like a- anyone, like uh, for a while there, they were very filmmaker focused. So every director and producer was coming in to pitch anyone from DC. And even you look at James Gunn, from Guardians of the Galaxy fame, when, when Disney dumped him, DC, Warner Bros. called him up. They're like, hey, we have a thousand characters. Pick which ones you want. <laughs> and then he ended up choosing Suicide Squad to take a new take on that. But that's what it is, man. Like even Suicide Squad is another great example of like they are just sort of like redoing that. It's not Suicide Squad 2. It's called The Suicide Squad. Yeah. Some of the same characters, some different ones. And that's kind of how it is now. So it's whatever they think is going to make business and whatever they can fit into their schedule is going to happen. And it's probably not going to connect together, but you're going to get some of these I'm hoping are going to be great. So. Do, do you think that, um, you know, DC as a movie output house is ever going to kind of line up like Marvel has? Are they going to find their path to some kind of a connected universe or is it just no. all a mess right now? Because there's if I if I ask you I have to flip it around here, who's going to lead that endeavor? Yeah, there's nobody. Is, is it J.J. Abrams or is it? the rocks company is it snyder coming back because none of them work together so it's like it's impossible they've already dug a hole and so now they're just trying to make profitable movies and sub franchises well the person that we haven't talked about today um is jeff johns and you know clearly you know he's been a producer what's interesting about jeff johns is that both he and kevin feige both work for richard donner and there's uh uh, a celebration of Richard Donner back in the day where both of them, before their big movie producing runs uh, and TV producing runs, um, got up on stage and celebrated Richard Donner. And they both have uh, background in there. And of course, Jeff Johns has all of this background as a writer out there. Um, and I've interviewed Jeff Johns several times over the years. He's He's Same. been really great to me. Uh, but his rep is terrible. Like he has some somehow... He's made a lot of enemies, and there's a lot of bad buzz about this guy. But yeah. if you know, objectively, if you if you had a, like a bird's eye view on all of this, he would have been a logical choice if he could it, fill those shoes. In an alternate timeline, alternate universe, perhaps. Uh, so I don't know what happened though. There were. Well, let's ask Gray Fisher what he thinks. <laughs> oh, Jeff Jones. Um, so Jeff Jones was one of those producers we talked about who was sent in to kind of oversee Zack yeah. Snyder and didn't quite jive with that vision. But also, if you go back years past, some people blame Jeff Jones for what happened to Green Lantern. Right. Because Martin Campbell is coming off what James Bond film. How, how did he mess up Green Campbell Lantern so bad? Campbell is the most underrated developer. Or how did he there? mess up Green Lantern? I don't yeah. think it was him. You know what yeah. I mean? I think it might be. You know. So yeah. Uh, yeah. And Jeff's most recent DC comic that was supposed to come out was pushed to Image Comics. Now we interviewed him like two weeks ago about that. Oh, we had to be wow. very careful in this interview, and he just said, "Oh well, you know, Image it, with Image, it's, it's creator owned. It's ours now." But I'm like, "Yeah, maybe DC didn't want it from you though." So yeah, yeah. We don't know. It's all hearsay. But yeah, his reputation's tarnished. DC 
removed all of his panels uh, from all the events and he wasn't part of DC fandom when that's all these right. allegations were surprising. But yeah, I think that's part of the problem with Warner Brothers. They have people in there who have these weird complicated histories or controversies that will never leave them. So you right. got to wash that shit clean. So at some point, so it's really the remnants of an old and it's, I mean, it's part of culture. It's a big topic, but th- there is a lot of ugliness and you've been, uh, been around a little bit of it. I've been around a little bit of it uh, in, in kind of the way that old Hollywood um, would just, you know, that hierarchical thing can mess up people being just good to each other. You can really talk down to people, which goes back to what I was saying about Feige and Zach. They don't do that. They're people who work under them. They don't, they're all on the same plane and they all love each other for that. But Jeff comes in there according to Ray Fisher and it's the opposite. So, um, and it's it's a weird thing because we can sit here and conjecture all we want, but the, the, the faces that we get as two people from the press is everybody's on their best behavior and everybody treats us with so much love and respect. And that's, that's all we ever see. And I know it's gotta be like this for you. It's like, Oh, it's it's a total PR game. Look at the the, the dance. Warner Bros. PR played around the theatrical cut of this film. Oh my God. Very sketchy stuff. It's heartbreaking to see the other side of it, right? It's like, nobody wants to read about these, these situations and these awful like, you know, Joss Whedon, I loved his work. I love, you know, I still do. I love Firefly and, and lots of the things that he's been involved. In. I love the first Avengers. I like the Age of Ultron. And uh, it, you know, and I've interviewed him. He's been on EP tons of times in the past. And, and it's kind of heartbreaking that these people get all messed up with this and they just start treat pe- treating people like assholes. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a stark difference between what people who worked with Whedon are saying about him on social media versus what people who worked with Zack Snyder are saying yeah. about him on social media. They're all saying release the Snyder Cut and all of Joss Whedon's people are like, this guy's a insert awful word and yeah. lawyers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's horrible. Brutal. Nintendo Boy 17 brought up uh, Martin Campbell and I I, um, I think you love this, this director as much as I do but he says uh, speaking of Green Lantern Ryan Reynolds had a live tweet of that film and for Martin Campbell at least he somewhat made up with the uh, the foreigner Martin Campbell made Goldeneye um, love it Casino Royale those are Amazing. two of my favorite I mean Casino's my favorite Bond movie Goldeneye's probably my third favorite Bond movie uh, View to made, a Kill top three. <laughs> oh no I think Goldfinger <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's another that's another. Yeah, okay, show. okay. Another We're from with love, uh, but oh. uh, he also made the Zorro movies. Like Martin Campbell has done incredible things, yep. and then yeah, and I was so excited for Green Lantern when it was coming out, and same. Oh God, that was heartbreaking. My my kid watched it, um, you know, she, even a couple of years ago, and she loved it. She thought it was so cool, but she has it's, no uh, identification with any of the uh, sure. The characters I, 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 you know, I, I almost think they should just bring him back. Let him play Hal for a movie and redeem that and make it all good. And so they can use him. He would do it. He almost did it for Zach. So, well, if um, I mean, this might be the lead up to that, right? Like him live tweeting this. That That's a pretty big deal. Well, uh, yeah. Reynolds is a bit of a marketing genius. That was a big aviation gin plan. He owns yeah, that but there's company. also <laughs> there's also talk that he's not going to be doing Deadpool three that that, uh, you know, he's Ooh. going back and forth and negotiating with Marvel right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, according to Kevin Feige, he would say Deadpool 3 is happening no matter what. And and Kevin Feige being the guy who's usually on the cast side, I think he's it's I can't imagine him messing that up, you know what I yeah. mean? So, I can't uh, either. But things yeah. things do happen. True. Things, things do happen. You, you cannot make Deadpool without Ryan Reynolds though. That he is Deadpool no. and Deadpool is him. So Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but if uh 
if Ryan Reynolds wanted to make that happen, all he would have to say is to Warner Brothers is, let's try Hal Jordan again. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think Deadpool 3 would be fast-tracked. I think that would be happening right away. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, was, was there any other big spoiler or shock or surprise, anything else in the Justice League that we didn't touch on that you think we should we should discuss? Not in the film. I actually think it was unsurprising in that way i guess because they marketed every possible scene that like we all knew what dark side looked like every yeah. one of those scenes they showed every fight they showed right. yes. all the cameos they showed they even showed martian manhunter one of these marketing materials yeah. and then the other things they showed weren't even in the movie so they went overboard with that but it's weird because it is a re-release technically um yeah. recut no what i want to tell you about is something that's not in the movie and it's something we saw on set so the big justice league vehicle that batman's working on this whole time is called the flying fox it's the troop carrier yeah in the, in the concept art in the original plan, Alfred is with them in that final fight. He's commanding and doing ops like watchdog style from the Flying Fox. And he's in a gun turret at the bottom. Oh, wow. Blasting parademons the whole time, which is really cool. Um, and the other scene. That would have been cool. I like the Jeremy other. Irons. The, yeah, yeah. And the, oh, yeah, I love him. I think he's so good. And he's everything he does is amazing. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's not in this film and it's been documented before is on set. We saw another costume for the Flash, one built by Wayne Enterprises, um, which they did not use in this film. You get to see a future version of the epilogue a little bit, but that's not the same thing. He was supposed to have an enhanced costume, one that doesn't require wires holding him together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the wires are to conduct electricity to enhance the speed and stuff. But and he had another costume which didn't require that. It was advanced tech. Uh, they pulled it out to save it for the Flash movie, one of the 25 variants of the Flash movie they never made. So, right, yeah. yeah. Um, who knows if that's going to, I'm sure it's going to show up there. They just show a new costume. So yeah. Um, yeah. It would have been cool to see that stuff. When you left the justice league set, did you feel like they were on the right track and they were going to make something good? Or did you think it was still going to be a total troubled mess? No, it was very exciting. Cause like there's so much confidence coming from the crew. Like I, I, you learn the most talking to people like the prop masters and the costume designers and production designers who've been part of the script building process for like a year, year and a half and working alongside Zach and, formulating the whole vision now and for the future because they know the whole plan and then and then that was all exciting and the cast was all on board and it, they had seemed to be like hey the stuff you didn't like about bbs we're going to improve it and also we're building towards something bigger they, they, so that it seemed like they were hitting all the right beats there the problem is that talking to zach deborah and chuck the producers they're all like you could tell like they were again nervous nervous and fearful and yeah. this is months before the personal tragedy and parting ways with warner brothers but you could tell like they were under the watchdog's eye they had been pushed around with bbs and this even worse this time around and they weren't even sure they were going to make justice league part two so it's like how do you build a franchise if you don't even know you get to do two-thirds of the franchise it's it's so that sense could never shake it and also this set visit again we did yeah. it like three weeks in what That's and then crazy, the embargo yeah. was two days later and it same was all stealthily as, done too right and it would have been and then hijacked guys. and then yeah. hijacked yeah. yeah so it's like everything about all that was kind of like weird but man and it you made had for to, some <laughs> you had to publish the article before anybody at warner brothers even heard that you guys were out there yeah that, that probably was the original plan yeah um here's the funniest thing on set the embargo again i flew there friday i think i was going to come home sunday night and the embargo was monday and we're like yeah. we told the publicist the 28 publicists all of a sudden we can't do that also, yeah. Sunday night, we just kind of told them, there's a big episode of Game of Thrones Sunday night. You need to give us an extra day. Everyone's going to be talking about Game of Thrones. And they're like, oh, true, true. So they called their bosses at Warner Brothers. They're like, okay, you can have an extra day. Uh, so we pushed the embargo to Tuesday. Um, so I flew back to LA, did a podcast, and then, you know, 
five years later, here we are. <laughs> that's insane. So, um, that's a journey, man. You know, it like is. clearly it's part of your life to cover all of this stuff. But I, you know, that personal connection of being there while they're putting that stuff together, that's it's a journey. A weird to, one. To, yeah, it is a very weird one. Let's play hypothetical here. Let's uh, let's pretend we do get that press release on Monday or Tuesday next week in HBO Max because I heard that they crash like the demand for it crashed the server. I mean, I, I don't that's know. That's cool. Yeah, I don't know how Maybe. legit that is, but that seems Maybe, plausible. Yeah. Um, but let's say that the uh, uh, subscriptions went up by 150% or something like that. Does Zach get another kick at this? I don't know. He's so good at playing the marketing game. He'll just say, no, 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 no. And be like, oh, yeah, it's happening. So he's very he's very playful with that kind of stuff. It's possible. But again, it has to be 100% creative control. It's probably not going to involve Warner Brothers Pictures. So it's it's less a Zach issue, more of a Warner Media issue. So mm. um, I don't know. Also, the other part of it is like, you never, you never know. Ben Affleck, does he want to come back or not? He keeps saying yeah. he's done. Yeah. But then he came back for reshoots and he is coming back for The Flash for a bit. I don't know. It's, it's, it's cool. Um, it's possible. I mean, after the Snyder cut happened, anything is possible. Anything so, is possible. That's yeah. true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything so, is possible. Why not? I mean, yeah. if people love it and want more, sure. It's got way better reviews than most DCEU films. It's like the fourth best DC film or something, according to Rotten Tomatoes. So it's gotta be huge for Warner brothers. Like, yeah. That's so it's so, an eye opening thing, man. Again, it really comes down to numbers. Cause if like, you know, if half a million people watched it, no one cares. It's gone. But yeah. if, 10 million people and five more million subscribers. Now you feel max like, Oh wait, maybe we want, do want more of this. Maybe we should get Batman a solo series, bring back death stroke. Let's go justice league too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that'd be um, awesome. Uh, <laughs> was there a favorite piece of, of this movie for you? Was there just like, was there a, like a, a scene, an actor, a performance, an element? What do you, what, what were you personally just so pleased was put into it, this? Yeah, it, the problem with this film is like you don't get enough of the characters together talking. Yeah, and yeah. like another piece of concept that we never really got to see was almost like a round table thing, which is right. funny because they allude to they that. Allude He's to rebuilding it, yeah. Wayne Manor. He's going to build his knight's round table. In in the bat hangar where the flying fox is hanging above, where I got to go see, it's all real practical stuff. The, the bottom of that ship exists. The Batmobile's in the hangar. It's all there. It was yeah. amazing production design. Again, amazing production design. Um, they had a sequence where they're all sitting around a round table without Superman trying to plan what's going to happen. And I wish we got more of that because the best scenes were where they're together. And one of my many issues with this film is when, again, Superman comes back randomly with a different color costume. He doesn't talk to anybody. You don't yeah. see him talking to Batman or Wonder Woman. He's just there. And he yeah. talks to Steppenwolf for a second. And that, right. that's it. Right. And it's like, that's yeah. not the Justice League. You get to see him stand beside each other for that iconic marketing shot. But how come the Justice League is not a team? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I kind of want to see where they're a team and, and, and cause I, I'm really bored of seeing CGI bugs get shot or exploded. I don't care. You know what I mean? That and, um, and uh, origin stories that have to take us in all the way. Like the thing about some of the Marvel origin stuff, like civil war, where we get to see black Panther for the first time. Yeah. They're, like they're running, you know, like they're running into the sequences and, and it's just like a shock and it's like, who the hell is like, and, and, yeah we catch up with it and we care about it, you know? And I, I feel like, uh, uh, 
you know, the DC stuff kind of struggles to tell these origin tales over and over and over and over and over again, especially the Batman origin. I hope we never it's see too that rushed on for me. It's like this is a weird analogy, but they like go back to the Transformers movies like <laughs> like the Michael Bay ones, the decent ones, like not two or four or five, like one and three. Like there's, there's never a scene where Optimus Prime and the Autobots are just talking yeah. <laughs> like who? Why do they care about each other? They only talk to each other when they're saying, shoot that thing. And that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, have these powerful voices communicate together. That's where it counts. And the Justice League working together would would be awesome. And it's why, like, in Age of Ultron, for all the crap it gets, they spent, ha- like, half an hour of them, like, hanging out in an apartment, having a party and talking together in some of the best scenes in the entire franchise. Because yeah, the characters I, I at a, a table talking. I love the language clip that we all use all the time, which was, uh, you know, an Age of yeah. Ultron line like, by Josh these- Whedon. Put these icons together and have yeah. them talk. That's way more interesting than punching bugs. You know what I mean? Yeah. No one cares. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, anyways, that's that's my thing. Yeah. Well, dude, um, thank you for doing this. This was super fun. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I I had an overall pretty decent time with the. It's it's hard to kind of like boil it down and like give it a score. Ah, uh, yeah, it's tough. It's because it's, it's so much. It, but it's, it's also yeah. cool that it's there, you know? It, it's awesome that it exists. And it's cool to see the, you know, these iconic characters all have their thing. And there's always cool as a from a fan's perspective, all these cool teases of this a bigger world and gods and all these things that could happen. And all yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. If it if it amounts to something. Yeah. But the, the teases are cool. The fact that it exists, it's cool. The work that went into it, it's cool. But yeah, as a you know, take away the, the superhero fandom element of it as a movie, it's a mess you know what i mean yeah. it's too long or whatever and that's fine people love what they want to love but it, it's it's important to say to any consumer as a pro-consumer advocate this is a product for people who already know they're going to like it you know what i mean it's it's right. for randoms or people who don't know the characters right. love the characters or love bbs it's probably not going to be for you yeah but if you have any interest in these characters it's probably worth taking for your own research you gotta experience this at some and, point and i also think the best way to experience it is kind of like you don't necessarily have to go by the parts, but there is a, a natural break. But no. like take take a, a break and walk away from it, and don't try to consume it all at once because it's 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 just too long. Like it's just too indulgent. But I think if sure. you took, if you chopped it up and took a space and then came back to it, I think you'd probably appreciate it much more. Which speaks to the. Um, idea of this not a, a new layer because i think there's a lot of successful stuff with the cw dc universe but there is this other kind of higher production kind of opportunity which disney plus is proving out right now with their programming yeah. for hbo max to create maybe the Snyderverse as a series um uh, on hbo max that never has to go to theaters or whatever but we get to live with these you know, depressive heroes. The one point I will say about these <laughs> depressed heroes and the deconstruction that goes on in the Snyderverse, it's being eclipsed by shows like The Boys. And I haven't watched any of um, Invincible yet, but I assume uh, the animated show, I assume that yeah. that's going to go into some pretty incredible stuff there that way. And then Mark Miller's got his show, Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter's, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jupiter's Legacy. Yeah, yeah. Jupiter's Legacy. Shot here in Toronto. One of my friends is in that show. Yeah. Right on. And Umbre- Umbrella Academy also does a lot of stuff in that vein as well. Yep. Um, so I don't think we need to uh, deconstruct DC superheroes anymore. I think we need to... I agree. I think we need to um, just uh, appreciate them and love them for the virtuous gods that they are and find a way to make them distinct from what the Marvel verse is. Yeah, I, I agree. I think for 
putting everything aside, the most important thing is like, hey, we got six, seven with Martian Manhunter superheroes who are all now immensely likable. I yeah. want to see all of them again yeah. in their own stories and together with more, bringing Green Lantern. But yeah, just to focus on the characters more and bring them together, I think that would be awesome. I think no one would say it's not cool to see Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller, all these guys back together, Ben Affleck and Rafe. You know what I mean? That, that would be awesome. So despite all the mixed reactions and we, I can, I, you know, you talk about scores. I, this is like, maybe it's a seven out of 10, who knows? But it's like, that's fine. Yeah. I want to see the characters back, give them more story. I'm in, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to really happen, hope, man. I, I really do. I hope so. I feel like uh, the buzz is good. The the user reviews are good. I mean, it's all internet. We don't know yet, but... Uh, yeah, it depends I, on the schedules. In, in terms of Zach, right? He's got the Army of the Dead, not just movie, but universe. It's like yeah. a prequel, the TV show and all stuff. But he's also, <laughs> after that, doing this King Arthur flick. So, so you know, how much he's involved, we don't know, right? So yeah. it could be a while. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. I, I hope it happens. I mean, between Zach and Patty Jenkins and, and uh, James Wan, that's some pretty talented shepherds right there you know maybe yeah. they could they could make a co make their own justice league at warner brothers and kind of um work together to chaperone this work so that there is a cohesion there and we really start to to love these characters and they're not all brooding and killing <laughs> you <know>? yeah or, <laughs> or david sandberg who did shazam right that's a very yeah, family friendly that, that's a great that's a great movie. Yeah. that's a great family flick that's a very simple character focused thing that's yeah. great more of that man yeah. so um yeah, I, I think they're. I yeah, hope with some it, of these characters they get there. The one thing is that it it did feel like a cul-de-sac when this came out originally. It does not feel, oh, even yeah. though Warner Brothers has expressed that, it does not feel like Warner Brothers and DC movies are in a cul-de-sac at all. In fact, no, it no, feels no. like the way this ends. You're like, oh my god, what happens next? You know yeah, what I mean? and, so. and also just generally, it feels like like I, I mean, they're making a, a Superman with a black actor. You know, that's awesome. And they're totally. making an Hour Man project, and they're making a Justice League Dark thing, and and uh, uh, you know, I think there's there is a Batgirl thing that's percolating. It's supposed to be coming. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're introducing Supergirl and Flash now, so they're starting to get a lot more characters in there. So, so yeah, yeah. I, I hope with these the, the main Justice League, if they're going to do Justice League Dark, I feel like we should also get the main Justice League there as well. Yes. So yes, yeah. Uh, sure. Filthy and free publishing. Thank you for the super chat. That's very kind. Says. Uh, uh, I, I need to ask you about Call of Duty. <laughs> it's just with the hat. By the way, Filthy and Free Publishing, which is a weird name, don't you think, Vic? That's yeah. uh, that's my man, Chris Tootin. He's like the lead on Screen Rant for our games division. Oh, uh, right on. He's a relatively cool guy, I guess. Does but, he uh, crush you at Call of Duty? Is that why he wants I don't think to he knows how to play, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I play it. I don't know what he does. <laughs> Good question, Chris. Go home. That's awesome. <laughs> uh Snyder Cut could be the beginning of a new movement. Yeah, that's from Matt. Um, yeah, we'll see. We're, I guess you're right, man. We're going to find out if if there is a press release. Everybody watch the skies for the uh, the bat signal from HBO Max talking about the success of this thing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week. If Funny that thing goes is, out. This fandom essentially won, right? With yeah. the help of industry people. Re yeah. you know, release the Snyder Cut. It yeah. happened. And now what? You fed them and rewarded them. What happens next? They yeah. now restore the Snyder versus Snyder. Do you think that's going to stop? Every time any one of these actors or producers or bosses are involved yeah. in any interview, yes. especially it's if this up. is driving subscription. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's a win for that group. So they're never going to stop. They're yeah. never going to escape this. It's never going to end. Zach will forever need to make DC movies. <laughs> Otherwise, the world will be forever unhappy on social media. Wilden so. says fandom is never not hungry. <laughs> Uh, you True. know what? Uh, I I think the best thing about this movie is that it ends with a for autumn 
dedication. 100%. Right? The, the amount of heart and even in all the marketing all along he's been saying that there's so yeah. much heart tied into this and everyone involved was doing it for that reason, you know. So, yeah. yeah. I get teared up just thinking about it. So, yeah, yeah. Yep. For sure. Every every father would. Uh, dude, awesome to have you. And uh, this was a great conversation. I can't wait to have you back again. We we lost clearly, to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, clearly could meet on the reg and <laughs> talk about <laughs> nerd stuff in every direction. But sure. uh, uh, definitely do follow Rob Keys on Twitter and uh, check out Screen Rant if you don't already. They're publishing a million things a day. Uh, they're fantastic at what they do, and you two are, uh, and you are as well, sir. Thanks for having me on. I love being here. I feel like I don't know. I I miss you, man. We should do this more often. I know. Um, uh, you know, may the force be with you and, you know, restore the Snyderverse. That's all I can say. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. Thank Bye, you everybody. all for watching. And uh, we will see you very soon. Until then, play forever. Bye.